Hey guys, we wanted to let everyone know that we are now accepting online reservations for our upcoming event with Thinking Poker this March 25th and 26th in the New York City area. For more information about the event and to sign up, just head to justhandspoker.com slash thinkingpokernyc. All right, thank you guys for tuning in and enjoy the episode. How do you how do you stay in shape as a professional poker player? You know, like... Uh- I was doing it easily um, it just be- in this way. I would do yoga uh, once a week, um, and I you know, try to really go all out. Um, I would do uh, push-ups once to twice a week and do a similar thing where I would try to do maybe over 100 to you know, 150 in a day, 200 in a day maybe. And then I, at Foxwoods, at the MGM Tower, they have stairs that you can run that are that are not cement so it's oh. actually good yeah and i've never been able to run that many well i shouldn't say run i mean the first flight one time i managed to jog it but you're i go up uh, 25 floors and i do that four times so just at, staying at foxwoods if i did that once a week yoga once a week push-ups once a week and then on one other day just try to walk you know a, a, a lot and on other days just try to walk that's it i, I think that's a really good approach like just you know, not being like, I must do this really set hour, two hour routine, or then it's not worth it, you know, which I feel like a lot of people get into where it's like, there's this big thing and working out this whole thing, as opposed to just like integrating it into your lifestyle, you know, which is going to provide you basically as much benefit as any type of like, I think, crazy workout program, you know? I think that's true. And I think also uh, with poker, if you're just able to, at, at what I was, I was at, the t- at one time, I was so into it that I would come dress more comfortably, let's say to an early morning game, I might get there at 5.30. And if the game was great, well, I just stayed and I played and I didn't look back. And, you know, I would I would take a walk maybe in the afternoon or something. But if the game was just okay, I would put down my chips. I would go do my exercise routine. I would come back. I would play one hand and then I would go shower. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, also, I, I, I typically always wear some type of like sweatpant or stretchy jean at at the poker tables, not not so much so I can like work out between games, just because I I tend to sweat a lot, and you know, I even me I draw a line in terms of what I can do at the poker table and what I can get away with, and I have been ejected from a casino for my smell, although it was it was BS, but I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would do a similar thing. What I would do is also let's say on one of the days I was talking about yoga on one day doing the stairs on one day and doing push-ups and maybe doing a long walk on, on one day. And that day, I would actually, what would happen would be they would take time at the half an hour. And in, in 75, 150 stud, we'd play a time pot. As soon as that time pot was over, I would get up and I had a routine where I would go on as brisk of a walk as possible. Not quite a run, but just under a run, up to uh, back into Foxwoods, up this trail to where this tree was where i would do let's say 10 or 12 pull-ups and then i would uh walk briskly back as quickly as i could get back to the table just as the half an hour is ending and i counted that as like a day of exercise so i wasn't profusely sweating but i had to prepare myself on that day to wear a few layers so that that walk was done in the bottom layer and then i could take that off and put on you know another layer that's awesome yeah, I I got to check out those stairs at Foxwoods you were telling me about because I actually do a similar thing if I ever find myself. Like I'm from the New York area and sometimes I'll stay with friends in, in the city 
and you know without wanting to pay like thirty dollars for a day pass at a gym in New York, which is probably one of the lowest rates you can get, just going to someone's stairs in their building, you know, and just like you said, you sprint up a you know twenty five well, flights. Not uh-huh. sprint. I wouldn't say that. If I sprinted up twenty five flights, I would have you would have to be in. I mean, oh. I can't. You would have to be an Olympian. Um, my my heart rate at one time I think was I think it was down as low as forty two and oh wow I could I could one time I managed to I think I I I stopped the what I would call a jog on one flight and then I resumed it and finished only one time out of doing it fifty times yeah I guess when I think of myself as sprinting up whatever twenty something flights of stairs it starts as a proper sprint and ends with like a jog or ends with like a a walk by the second or third time, you know? Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah so it some, starts out yeah, brisk and then by midway I'm wondering if I'm gonna make it. <laughs> and then by the end I'm I'm sometimes just, you know, I'm walking it uh with good posture and that's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the nice thing about those are is like, you know, it feels like total hell and it's like it really pushes you, but if you do that like ten minutes and just and I've done it where it's like I, I'll take the elevator back down, you know? And then I do do that. Do it again. I yeah. do do that for my knee, for my knees. I've had two knee surgeries, one from snowboarding and one from something else. But so going down, it kills it. But I would I would I would go up the twenty five, take the elevator down, and then do that four times. Yeah. So for everyone here listening, who's like, how do I get exercise while playing? You know, at the poker table at a casino without a gym. No, no excuses now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think you can find a 30-minute walk some somewhere in the day. And if you're doing it briskly, so, I mean, you can't do the swears. I mean, I'm, I, I'm dripping wet. I'm not going, I'm not doing the stairs and then resuming my poker game. I'm not capable of it. I'm, I'm, I'm wiped out. I mean, I need to, you know, shower. But the, the standard walk, you know, I'm breaking a small sweat, but nothing big. Does Foxwoods have a gym whenever, when you stay there? They do have the gym, but I really prefer the stairs and just walking briskly outside and doing the pull-ups outside rather than worry about the gym hours. Like, for instance, like I said, when I get – sometimes I'll start at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. The gym's not even open. So I come in, I assess the game, and then I decide if I'm going to work out or not. Or let's say I, I look and the game is at its worst and it's 2.30 in the afternoon. I may just get up and know that I, I have to be back in an hour and I don't want to worry about – you know, checking into the gym or, you know, doing whatever. I just want to go out and walk as quickly as I can and then return to the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you, uh, do you, how often do you stay at Foxwoods? Like, uh, up until 10 days ago, my routine was I would arrive at Foxwoods very early in the morning on Thursday, arriving there at seven thirty in the morning, could get you shut out of the first 75 stud game, depending if it's been going all night. Oh, and wow. on, on Thursdays, on most Thursdays, there will be three 75, 150 stud games. So I will stay Thursday all day and play stud, play mixed, play PLO, occasionally no limit, stay all day Friday, get a free room Thursday night, get a free room Friday night, uh, play as much as I can Thursday, Friday, drive home for dinner with my wife on Saturday night, uh, after a full day there, return Sunday early in the morning. Um, I, there's a game going all night, either pot limit Omaha, no limit Hold'em or stud. So if I can show up at six in the morning, that's great. Play until I get tired until the game isn't that good. Go home and then, uh, no poker on Monday, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. 
no poker playing, but I fit all the learning into them. And I say all the learning, there should be a lot more learning, but I, I fit what passable learning I do do into those three days. Wow. That's, have you at times had a more, I don't know the right word, maybe balanced it's in this way, in this, in this routine in, in a way is balanced, but also like, have you, how has like going maybe four or six days a week for shorter sessions? Have you had that in your career at all? And how do you think that compares to kind of what you found works for you now? I feel like that is better. It's ideal. It's optimal. And I'm actually trying it now with Twin River Casino and I'm incorporating in the yoga. Uh, They have a a special for 30 days unlimited. So that's part of the reason I'm not going to Foxwoods. Um, Part of the reason is also to be able to play the most ideal short sessions very close to my house, super convenient. Um, And part of it is just to to try it out. I've been there for a while. I've never really given it a great shot because I prefer to go down and play all different types of games. But uh, frankly, also the game at Foxwoods has gotten tougher and it's massively big. Um, In the last six months, we've been playing 150, 300 mixed and we've been sometimes killing it up to two and 400. So you can imagine maybe what, you know, Badoogie and triple draw are like at 150, 300 with aggressive players. Wow. Uh, so anyway, so what would happen when I go down the Foxwoods and those games I'm talking about, they're only running from Thursday until Sunday and that's it. No, there is no 75, 150 stud on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, it's just okay. There are no mixed games Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday. There's no, no limit five, 10 and above Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, so it seems unbalanced, but my wife is a registered nurse and she deliberately works on the weekends. And in her job, she only has to work four eight hour days and then she gets full benefits and a retirement plan. So she chose the same days. So, we are actually together for three full days, like a vacation every week, like a long weekend every week. So what sounds unbalanced in that while I'm at Foxwoods, it's like I'm in a, a poker coal mine in that there is no downtime, <laughs> uh, literally no downtime. There's be, I would think nothing of playing a 15-hour day. In fact, after 15 hours, I have to say to myself, okay, listen, you need a good night's sleep unless this game is fantastic. I'm almost always going to bed because the game is – almost always even better at six in the morning, as long as it's still going. Sometimes there's a negative part of going down there and every game is broken and no game is going to start until 10. So occasionally that can happen. But other than that downtime, I just try to make it really efficient. Yeah. That kind of sounds nice. I mean, having, having your sort of three day respite, just sort of facilitated by the game. I think it, it sort of takes the, necessity for discipline out of the equation uh just the fact that you sort of have these hours dictated by the way the game works uh sounds nice to me i like it It, now let me say it would be better for sure it would be much more ideal if i lived 10 minutes or 15 minutes from foxwoods and i could go in and just play whatever sessions i thought were best six hour session go home rest decide if I could come back. I would also be able to play more late night sessions. Uh, whereas now I feel I'm handicapping myself a little bit because when I walk in the door on Thursday, I'm playing poker. If I'm playing, it could be three handed 150, 300, 
I hope not. <laughs> or I hope the game is great. <laughs> I wouldn't actually, I wouldn't get in if it weren't great, but you know, I could be playing anything. It could be stud. It could be pot and Omaha, but I must play on those days. So I've had people tell me on like a Tuesday, Hey, we're playing 200, 400. The game's going to be unbelievable. These two guys are coming down from wherever. Uh, are you going to play? And I, I always pass on those games. So in some way I'm handicapping myself, but I feel also like the best four days by far are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's not like I'm ever in there on a Tuesday waiting for a game to form. Yeah, I see what you're saying now in terms of like, you know, on the surface, like when you first described it, it seems unbalanced, but in many ways, like you're able to consistently have three days with your significant other, you know, while being a professional poker player whose income is largely dependent on the state of the game. So the fact that you're able to have the discipline to pass up on the Tuesday games and really keep that schedule intact, like it allows you for a lot greater balance than I think most people have. Agreed. And also having the three days off in a row, it's also easy to get the exercise in. Two of the three exercise days can be there. Now when I go to Foxwoods, it's only one day of those fours that that I have to take, let's say, an hour away from the table or an hour one morning um, and do something. And then one day with the stairs, which seems pretty easy. Right. Uh, Go ahead. Just that, you know, be interesting though. Now I'm having just the opposite. For sure, like when I'm playing, especially games like Seven Card Stud, where the concentration factor for me is much more difficult, just trying to constantly remember, you know, all these different factors. I feel like in No Limit, it's a little bit easier to tune out. That could just be a little bit of laziness on my part, but I feel like in Stud, there's no... There's no real tuning out. I want to see how somebody reacts to this. Or, you know, how do they, if they, do they, are they raising a dead hole card? Do they even care that there's another dead card out there? Are they disregarding it? Are they doing it from early position? Are they only doing it from late position? I feel like there's so much more to focus on, and I feel like it, it is more draining. So I do find that after 12 hours playing the mixed games or especially the stud center games, it's draining, and I'm unable to focus at all like I was, let's say, in the first three hours. But I still feel I wouldn't be in the game at hour 12 unless the game is good. I have very easy time quitting. I'm a great quitter. Yeah, I mean, I don't play mixed games really at all. I used to for fun uh, online. But I could definitely imagine... I mean, I think what you're saying about being able to tune out uh, in No Limit, it's definitely never a good thing. But the fact that you're playing so few hands and many spots are fairly straightforward. Uh, I, I do think it's easier to sort of give yourself a mental rest at the table. Uh, and I, yeah, I could definitely imagine like in another game where the action is a lot more constant uh, and the situation is changing much more rapidly that it, it, you wouldn't be able to, you know, properly take as many breaks uh, or sort of tune out in the same way. Right. And even though I hate the, all the incessant tanking on small number decisions on the river because someone wants to play completely perfectly, at least I try to take a breath in and say, good time to just mentally relax. Um, I will say that is annoying coming from a limit background where you're playing with an older demographic who is there to gamble and action and play hands. These people come down and they watch people at 2-5 no limit agonize over an $80 bet on the river. And they're watching this guy take 90 seconds and 
they, you know, they're like, well, I'm never doing this again. This is absurd. Um, I'm used to playing 75 and 50 and gambling and gambling. And here's a guy taking two minutes on the, on an $80 riverbed. But at least now I can turn that into a silver lining and say, easy to take a rest, close my eyes and, uh, and relax. Whereas I feel like the limit games is less opportunities to do that. Fewer opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hate the thinking. Like I understand sometimes there are difficult decisions, but like yesterday there was a player, I was playing two five and there was a player I really respect a lot. And he was just taking, he took like probably over three minutes on a river decision for like 200 bucks and sure 200 bucks. Like it's, a, it's enough money that you would want to make the right decision, but it just didn't seem like a decision where he could have that many really difficult decisions. And you could see the whole table was getting restless and I really considered calling the clock because it's just like, it just seemed kind of ridiculous and people were like muttering like he's taking too long. Uh, oh man, I call the clock so quickly on people now. I just set a timer on any river decision and once it reaches two minutes, I call the clock. Um, it kind of villainizes me a lot, which is often like good in terms of like short term EV, occasionally bad, but mostly good. But I do it more just for like to try to change you know, the little ways I can, the culture and no limit, because it, even if you're like a smart thinking player, like you, you're not gonna, there's nothing that you can figure out after two minutes. Like most of that tanking is just being like, oh shit, I played the hand wrong or like, oh shit, I ranged the guy wrong. It's not like people are really analyzing the hand seriously for that long. Well, you know, that's normally why I would call the clock. This, this player is probably the best player in the game. Uh, or that, or you know, the best opponent I play with on any sort of regular basis, and uh, he normally doesn't take very long at all with his decisions. So uh, I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But when when it sort of started inching into like the third minute, uh, it started. I, I sort of regretted like you know waiting this long in the first place to call the clock. Well, with the like thirty or forty person player pool of two five in Cleveland, and he's like another professional that that's good, like. I definitely think not calling the clock in that in that situation makes sense, you know. But yeah, no, I, I definitely don't think he was just sort of uh, stalling, which is what I think most tanking is when you get into that sort of you know the third minute threshold. Yeah, I called the clock on this guy at my last session at Maryland Live. It's like old guy. He he he's like an old man coffee, but. You know, one of these types that is incredibly tight post flop, but really loose pre flop. And any times he has to fold, he like takes twenty seconds. You know, like he'll like call with pocket for his pre flop, like three way pot. It'll be like three over cards. He won't have a set, and it's like bet call. It goes to him, and he just thinks like, man, I haven't played a hand in like nine or ten hands. I'm running so bad today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, grimace to the young kid that c bet and then like fold. And I, yes. I, I I call the clock on him after a minute on this board where it's like this loose player like called with just obviously an open ended straight draw and then the the river is like four cards to a straight. He clearly doesn't have a straight, he checks, the other player bets like half pot, like two hundred bucks, and the guy tanks and after a minute I'm just like, You don't have a straight and you're never calling this bet, so just fold. <laughs> and I, I, I told him that after the you know, I didn't say that during the hand because I didn't want to influence action, but after the hand I told him that and he just you know like 
these players are seriously harming the game in terms of yes yeah you you could yeah john if you want to talk about it a little bit more you have more experience with these players than me <laughs> no no it's just that i know that they are because and i wasn't as aware of it i i used to be a little bit of a tanker i, I confess because i'd be thinking things out i would even feel guilty in the in, at, at sometimes i would show my hand and then talk through all my reasoning. I stopped doing that after a few times, but just to prove to people I wasn't doing what I do think most people do, and that is wish they were not in this position that they should not have gotten themselves in. So at, at one time, I understand the reason for, you know, you're here, you know, we're here to try to play perfectly. Many people that we're playing against that we need to play in this game are not there to play perfectly. They're there to gamble, give it their best shot, kind of make their best guess. But when they see us, you know, doing these permutations in our mind and, you know, taking all this time on the river, I'm telling you that if they're, if they're in the game because they're waiting for the 75-150 stud or maybe even 24 to limit hold them, they're waiting for a game that's a lot of action, quickly bets, and they see three tanks in a half an hour, they may never come back. Yeah. Yeah, I... I actually find that, like, given the that the culture has gone so much to tanking, uh, a lot of times when I make decisions quickly, especially like river decisions where maybe it looks like I should have had a more difficult decision in the kind of spot where other people might tank, uh, people sort of react, don't know how to react. Uh, like, Zach, I don't know if you've lis- listened to our most recent episode, but there was like a sort of weird river or flop spot where, like, I bet called off with middle pair in this sort of really random spot that uh, I was extremely confident about the call, but I think the fact that I called it extremely quickly just like made me look like kind of a total fish for, for not tanking. Cause like I think any pro or any other pro would like, you know, would have just wanted to tank and think over that spot that I had sort of already come to a decision on. Yeah, it's just it's interesting how how that's playing out right now. I think so many media people, like uh, I know the thinking book people are like this, and we're definitely like this, are so anti-tanking that I could see it switching, uh, and the the tanking thing coming sort of to an end, at least somewhat uh, as time moves on. I, I think you're right. It, it floors another thing. I think they're they're being made a little bit more aware of. How bad it how bad it's hurting the game because for for a while I would see someone in the tank for three minutes on the river and, and it's less than a thousand dollars and it's it's over three minutes someone calls the floor the floor comes over and someone says uh, you know we need we need a clock and the floor says well has it been a reasonable amount of time and you know people like the dealer or other players will be like well it's only been three minutes. And the floor might be like, well, all right, in one more minute, I'm going to give you the clock. And I feel like, you know, that's insanity. When the floor comes over, you should get a minute. I don't care. You know, there's no, he shouldn't give you any time. Have you had 10 seconds to think about it? Yes. Okay. You get one more minute. And then it, it, it should be more of that culture than it is. Hey, has this guy had five minutes before we, we force him to a decision? I think what would really be best is if there was a timer at the table and yeah. the dealer could just do it. Because I feel like that's a big part of why I'm somewhat hesitant to call the clock. And I'll normally give people a little bit more time than I otherwise would. Because it's such an ordeal to like get the dealer to call over the floor and the floor to come over and assess situation. And then the floor starts the clock. Like Normally, 
I mean, the reason to call clock is a lot of times once you call clock, people just make the decision. Uh, but when it actually comes down to like the floor coming over, it's really annoying. Also, I think that people up until recently have really taken it personally when someone calls the clock on them. And like, uh, you know, like you were saying earlier, you feel like all of a sudden now you're in many confrontations. And for a while, I was a clock Nazi. I would do the same thing. As soon as I was someone's taking what seemed to be an unreasonable amount of time, you know, I just wouldn't hesitate to call it. But then you're getting into arguments with these recreation, if they're a recreational player, and then they don't like you. And it may be very short-term EV, but it's also, you know, you don't want to create that image of, oh, here's this jerk. We don't, you know, I don't want to play with him. Or, you know, here's this jerk who's making the game worse and less friendly. And, you know, I, I don't want to. It's also stressful to be in in confrontations all the time. Yeah, and, and I almost never call the clock on people I don't know to be at least regs. If if someone's like a recreational player I've never seen before, I think it would, it would take a sort of extreme circumstance for me to call the clock on them because I, I don't want to like turn someone off of the game. Yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm the same way. Even if it's bothering me, if it's like a really bad player, like. I don't. I think one time I called the clock on someone that I shouldn't have, and they like left after the hand, and you know that combined with just thinking about it a little bit more, like you never want to call the clock on like a truly bad player unless they do it a ton, you know. Yes, absolutely. You the, have to make the the concessions that you make for, let's say, the the worst player at the table or the second to worst player at the table are obviously much greater than um, <laughs> for the regulars. And the pro that you mentioned earlier, what I might have done or we consider doing is you're right. I feel like I don't want to set up this hostile uh, environment for either of us by calling a clock on him and, you know, kind of getting it into him if he thought it was a big decision. But when there was a break later on, I might pull him aside and say, listen, I want to make that $200 correct decision every time. And I know you do too, but I feel like we're really, we're hurting the recreational player pool's enjoyment of the game because i've heard people grumbling i hear people you know recreational players saying things are taking too long and i just ask you to consider that in a similar situation like this it's probably not worth the two minutes you can do what you want i don't want to be the guy who's going to be calling the clock on you but i just think we should try to all of us foster a culture of acting more quickly yeah i think that's really smart that's great and (laughs) exactly the person you described who takes like 20 seconds for every decision yeah that's the absolute worst because yeah, calling can't. the clock doesn't really accomplish anything. Uh, I don't know. I think if you play with that kind of person enough, you just have to sort of – I think that's another person to pull aside. Uh, I mean, but most of these players are not – are like, you know, old men over probably like over 60. I'd say the vast majority, if not closer to like 70 or 80. Um, yeah, you can't – it sort of looks weird for us to pull someone like that aside. Yeah, like I, I hey, just – Hey, grandpa. <laughs> yeah can well, you speed things up <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel like in my experience when i'm speaking with anyone who's like over that age who isn't like you know clearly a student of poker which is pretty rare like any type of conversation like that will just be very poorly received because of my age and how i look you know yeah unfortunately true but I think it's also because people with your age and look the like the backpack pro look generally are abrasive and not and insensitive to, you know, the the the, the most important person at the table, that recreational table. It's great that you're not that you you know you're you're aware of that. 
Yeah. It's, I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, have either of you read the big kind of DGAF thread on the medium high stakes, uh, two plus two sub forum? Yeah, I've read some of it. I haven't read in a while. Um, I, I think it was the one that you highlighted. You said it was one of your, one of your favorite posts on two plus two. Is that the same one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I tw- I've tweeted about it before. Um, I, I I did look at some of it, and I found it to be right on everything. Everything from the advantage that you have in no limit compared with the bingo element of the limit games and the lack of advantage there. And uh, he made some fantastic observations. That was a good recommendation. Thank you. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know the guy personally. There's a lot of people that comment that are like, if you've ever played in Southern California or Las Vegas, this is like the best kind of live pro, and a lot of people know him. I don't know this guy personally, but I've really benefited from kind of the advice and the thread. And he's just, you know, kind of the master of like all the live intangibles and like how to keep a game going. And, you know, he's a guy who's able to support a family in expensive Southern California on playing like live cash because almost every single person he plays with, including a lot of pros, thinks that he's like a super rich fish, you know? It takes a lot of skill to do that, you know, for 10 plus years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And it's something I've been thinking about more because a lot of times, like, you know, if I'm, if I'm like going to Maryland Live or MGM, which is I'll do for like a few days, a few times a year, I just wear comfortable clothes and I bring a backpack because I don't have a lot of time to play and I kind of just want to like maximize my comfort while I'm at the tables. And there's a lot of other, yeah, it, it, and it doesn't seem like that out of place, but especially for kind of on this uh trip uh jack and i were telling you about john i I really want to make sure that i don't give off this image as a professional i often don't i often like give off an image of a professional and then people don't think i am based on what i say and how i play but i I don't want to like have this like even like somewhat kind of grinder look because the the thread got updated more recently uh, is why i brought it up and just talking about like the look and like how bad like the backpack and like sport clothing is for poker and how like you know, even at like the one, two level, like people you're playing with are not stupid, you know, and that now in 2016 or 2017, that means just like, you know, I'm a pro, I'm here to take your money and I'm not here to like have fun with you. And even though like I just wear the, I want to wear the comfortable clothes that I want to wear, like maybe making slight adjustments the same way I make slight adjustments when I interact with most of society compared to what I'd want to wear, it's probably gonna, gonna benefit me if in the long run. I think that that's super wise and insightful. And I I think that your observations about other people, you know, when you walk in with the backpack and you're here, you're like, I'm setting up camp, I'm taking your money. And if you don't play well, I may even tell you about it. (laughs) And I, (laughs) I feel like, you know, if you, if you can do anything not to have that image and not to you know, I'm sure you're not acting in that manner, but I, I think I think that's really hurting the game. I think that that should be discouraged. Whoever wrote that in the thread, very very wise and insightful. Yeah. Uh, how how do you come off? I mean, like, you know, how do you generally come off, John? Like, I know a lot of the people you play with, you know, so it's a little more difficult. But I imagine you probably don't come off as a professional the way me or Jack might. Uh, I would say, have you guys read Tommy Angelo's book? Uh, which one? Elements of Poker? No, I haven't read that one actually. I, I know that's the that's the classic, and I need to do sure. it. Sure, <laughs> you know he gives uh, the Buddha fantastic advice about you know just not never. I, I can tell you this at the I was you know this just happened maybe a year ago, and the worst at the end of a 
at the end of a hand, the worst player at the table, after he did something with his phone, he then reached it across and he showed me. And he said, see, we all thought that guy made that a bad play. The guy had 55% equity based on what he had. So that's a play that, you know, he didn't, you know, he, he should have made based on his range. Oh, my God. And I'm thinking, you know, this guy is doing this. Um, of course he wants to get better. But it's also like you kind of be like sometimes the coolest, most looked up to players at the table are the professionals. Why? They don't have a job. They're arriving whenever they want. Um you know, usually you have to have some type of personality and, you know, you're, you, there's, you know, there's some, a little bit of a alpha person inside of you. You're not going to be uh, a wilting milk toast. So you have this personality at the table. And I think a lot of the recreational players in a way look up to those people. And so they look up to them when they start talking about making the right play versus someone's range and how three betting there is so imbalanced and how the bet sizing there is awful and these people are super successful in business. I mean, they're there playing four days a week because they've made so much money that they can come in and limp call with terrible hands and play and lose and come back the next day. And when that person all of a sudden goes from, hey, we're having fun, we're gambling, we're playing a game, these guys are you know, having a good time with me, to talking about range analysis or coming in with like the backpack, putting on the headphones, not interacting with this person – now the guy's coming in and it feels like this is like a war, like he's he's against enemies, not we're having a good time gambling. We're talking about how he's not perfect at his math analysis and his range analysis. And we're kind of snickering at people who open raise to $70 for the first time. And two other of uh, two players kind of snicker, 70? Did you just make it 70? Okay, no problem. <laughs> Um, and I'm, you know, these things are beyond awful. They couldn't be worse, but I feel like, so this is my long winded way of saying, I try to do none of that stuff. Um, I also, as I sit here now, I'm in sweatpants. I'm in a new balance sweat thing. I'm going to spend the rest of the day in sweatpants, but whenever I go to the casino, I will never wear sweatpants. I wear the same type of stretchy. They're like, um, police officer or paramedic five eleven. Uh, pants that have a, a stretch to them so I could exercise a little bit and they look like khakis with pockets and then I always wear I, I, I won't unless it's super hot out or you know maybe a couple times a year I won't even wear like uh, a, a, a just a t-shirt or I won't look like um, I rolled out of bed and I'm just coming here to do this I will I'll even try to wear a sweater more often or, or just look, look more like the recreational player, you know, people want to play with people who think that they think and are, you know, somewhat similar to they are. I'm not saying that they don't want to play with anybody from different demographics, but I, they want to feel like, hey, we're all kind of here together. We're all kind of similar. I remember I was playing in a home game and um, it was a much older demographic, uh, you know, a couple guys in their 70s and one guy in his 80s. And one time they brought in a pro who had two sleeves of tattoos on his arms and the pro was to me courteous now you know he was a convicted felon um he had been to prison but he was courteous and he he, he spoke you know pretty well and he treated people well but i remember them saying to me in the home game it just felt uncomfortable you know they felt like he wasn't one of them like um, even though he was courteous, it was like they felt like they didn't want to give their money to like somebody like that. They don't want to like feel like they're at war with somebody like that. So I think you want to make recreational players 
feel like it's not a war, like we're all just coming here to participate in this game and do our best and have fun and try to make the right plays, but it's not going to be me against you or it's not going to be ever you being made to feel like somehow you played stupidly or foolishly or non-optimally. That's, yeah, I think that's really, really important. And I really like what you said. You kind of repeated the phrase like not going to war. I think that's a really great way to put it because I think even if, you know, speaking from personal experience, even if I try to be courteous and everything, I've definitely sometimes given off an air of like, you know, let's make this kind of like a fun competition and let's kind of go up against each other. And that's really not the atmosphere that's going to be conducive to, to a good poker game, you know? Yes. Um, agree. And I have a friend who has been at this a lot longer than I am, is much wiser than I am. And he hard time about the backpack. Honestly, he says, you know, it's like you're coming up there. I'm the professional. I'm here to take your money. And even if you're doing all the other right things in his mind, he's like the backpack is that's the symbol of, hey, I'm cool. I do this for a living and I'm here to take your money. Now, in my defense, my backpack, I'm a, uh, I try to be very uh, fairly nutritious. So I'm bringing bags of granola, almonds, um, drinks, uh, 50 ounces of water, um, all these things are in the backpack. My backpack has all my food. In fact, I eat a really healthy breakfast and then I don't eat a meal at the casino. I eat right at the table. I eat nuts. I eat an apple. I eat bananas. I eat all these healthy things I bring in the backpack. <laughs> uh, and also if I go on that walk, I'll need to have maybe an extra, maybe just an extra t-shirt. So at the end of the walk, if I'm sweaty, I'll just throw one t-shirt in and sw- switch t-shirts. But it's a balance. I mean, I feel like there are other people who go in who are who are very well liked and they always wear sweatpants and sweatshirt and they always have the backpack and and they let everybody know that they're pro and that they make good money but even though they do all those things they do none of the a zero amount of the berating or whispering to their neighbor about a play that seemed questionable or making someone feel uncomfortable you know they do all the other things that um, make it that that they welcome the uh the recreational players yeah and i think that's a good approach for someone like zach or myself just since you know when whenever i'm in a situation where i can play in the same room uh you know four plus times a week i'm never gonna look like i'm not a professional just because you know who my age you know is going to be putting in like 30 hours of volume a week and not be a professional. So a rich kid once, visiting their grandparents in Florida, which is what we need to do. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even even that's even that will be for like two weeks. Yeah. But if if I'm sustaining that for like you know a couple months, that yeah, then then it really just becomes a matter of being like a good citizen. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't personally bring a backpack, uh, but you know, I, I still I don't think I'm fooling anybody. Right. And I don't think it's about fooling anybody in any way. I never, you know, I, I have new players will probe me all the time afterwards. Um, let's say I'm playing with them and I'm playing with them for eight hours. I've never seen the guy before in my life. Um, but I know he played another time when I wasn't there. This basically, this happened at one fifty three hundred, Uh, and then, you know, the next day, all of a sudden he says, so you're a lawyer. Um, I'm, I'm never dishonest. I never try to, I, I, I will not volunteer information um, that, you know, I haven't had a client in 10 years. Um, 
but I'm never trying to conceal or hide anything either. You know, they'll say, so I I think they already know. How about that? It must have been like after I left, I'm sure, you know, maybe my name came up or something like that. And they're, oh, you know, the, the new people, I'm almost always getting a similar light probe where they may say, so what kind, what type of law do you do? I'll tell them. Do, do you have a lot of cases? So right away, I know there's there's the, you know, <laughs> are you are you going to be a scumbag and tell me that you have a thriving law practice when you're here, <laughs> you know, four days a week? Or are you going to be honest with me? And I'm honest with them. I said, you know, I'm trying to make it a poker. Anything could change. I've had bad years. I could be back practicing law next year. All 100% true. And I say, but I'm doing my best to make it doing this. I'm giving my best shot and I'll continue. But I don't know how long it will last. And that's the absolute truth. Yeah. 